Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. Rich is motivating this particular episode. It's not painful memories for me. They're good memories, but he's asking me about uh, with the volatility and excitement in the industry, the ups and downs. Uh, surely there were management and ownership challenges that came in over the past decades, but we sure are seeing a lot of tough decisions having to be made in our industry over the course of the last uh, 18 months for sure. So thanks sponsors, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, Compsy.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Hugs and Scott Auctions, Tops Panini and Upper Deck. Every company, even if it's a, a small company in the industry with rapid growth, or ups and downs or needing to hire people. I'm always worried more about firing people than hiring people because that was so unpleasant. It's fun to hire people. It's not fun to let people go. We had our share of management challenges and Rich was participating in some of those. Rich was not a problem employee. Rich was a delight, but not everybody was. So Rich, what did you have in mind for, and well, welcome I, to the I, show for just the, the challenges you're seeing? Like what we brought up, we don't script these, but you've been saying, I'm going to use the word fan, and that's probably not the right word, but how important impressed you were that Nat Turner at PSA made, when he took over Collector's Universe, made immediate and decisive decisions, or maybe not immediate, but pretty decisive decisions, trying to just get PSA caught up on their amazing backlog of cards. And it's had a ripple effect. We saw in the last couple of weeks, Jeremy Murray at Beckett had issued a statement. SGC for a while had to raise their prices before getting back to a little more normalcy. CSG, I think, has not had as much impact, but it's had impact on them too. It's had an impact, but when you make a decision like that, just explain some of the processes that you think you would have had to go through if you were not. There's two aspects to it, at least. One is, what's the right thing to do? And then the other thing is, when and how do you announce it? And I, I would say in each of those situations you've mentioned, the way it happened it's like I wanted it to happen, and it did happen for us, is that when these decisions were made, they weren't leaked a month in advance or, or two months in advance or even two weeks in advance. There wasn't a scuttlebutt or rumor mill that, hey, PSA is getting ready to shut down. Apparently, there were people that at PSA that didn't know and maybe even at, at, at BGS. So the fact that it's not necessarily a secret, but it's important to manage this situation in a way that there's not a leak. I think that's what was happening. That would have really ticked me off. It's hard enough to make the right decision. It's really tough if you're going to get sharp shot before you even make the decision of people getting ready to criticize it because every situation that you've mentioned was controversial. It wasn't black and white. Most management decisions are not choosing from fabulous and terrible. There's a gray area in between that this decision is going to affect some people positively, but these other people negatively. Another approach might affect different people. The, the Solomon story of splitting the baby, just remember that the baby was not split in half, that there was a threat and you can't do that. And the baby would have died. So we're in the sports collectibles industry. These are not life and death decisions, but they do impact various stakeholders. And I think that's very smart. You talked about hiring and firing. One of the challenges for Collectors Universe and for where I work, ComC, is the sheer volume of people who have had to be hired recently. It's the catch up. We sent out at ComC press release at the beginning of the month about what we're doing to catch up. And I'm actually getting emails now. It sounds like it's working, which I'm relieved to hear because I have my nose to the ground and I talk to collectors all the time. And I always want to know what's going on just because I need to know if something comes up. Hey, I'm hearing this from people I actually talk to. And so it's good to hear that. But as you said, it's hard to hire. And when you have to hire that rapidly, we went from about 50 people when I was hired in 1990 
to, I always use the term 175. I know you said it was more than that. So we'll call it 200 three years later. You had three years to hire basically quadruple a staff and actually buy a new building, build a new building, a beautiful building. This is going on for ComC, for PSA, for other people immediately. They don't have four years to build a staff to see whether something works. They have maybe four. We're looking at hindsight, at, at, at yes. least the circumstance that you yeah. participated in and were part of that wonderful growth. Because growth is good. Shrinking yes. is not. But what's happening now, it's not that the jury's out. It's that something can be the right decision, but you don't know the results of it until later. And so all these companies that are hiring people, they're, they're not trying to hire terrible people. They're trying to hire people they think are really going to be good. But the jury's out. They're not all going to work out equally well, but you have to step out there in faith and say, we're going to hire these people. We give them a shot. They may not all work out, but we've got to move in that direction. And so I hope the hobby, the, the constituencies will give each of these entities a break that just because they hired 50 people last month, they're not up to speed the next month. They're going to be varying degrees of up to speed. One of the things that I thought was terrific is that when we hired people, I think we were able to get them up to speed pretty quickly because of the character they had and the fact that they came into an established team. On the other hand, if if there's nine people on the team and you're the 10th one there, then you can be assimilated in. But if there's nine people there and there's 19 people coming in, then the new people are overwhelming the old people and it's hard to do your own job when you're training somebody else. So again, it's very difficult. And, And like I say, in three months, six months, nine months, a year, not everybody's going to make it. It's necessary, but it's very painful to let somebody go. Most people don't uh, accept a job and think, I'm going to see how I can screw up. They're, they're going to do their best, but they just might not be a good fit. They you might know, not be a good fit. It's funny. When I was at Bank of America, he was never really my manager, except he was a kind of sort of manager of mine. And he had to let go of somebody I worked with in the first department I worked with. And I knew the young lady, and we would talk, and she knew she couldn't handle the job. And she knew it was coming. And I actually had lunch with him the day he had to let her go. And I said, if you want to feel better, she's fine with it. She knew that it was beyond her control. So I think a lot of times people know when it's not something they can handle. And if they're smart, they ask for help or they ask to do something else. Just because if they know they can't handle it, it's something that, hey, this isn't going to work. I need to do something else or maybe we need to separate. So there was some of that. But one of the things interesting is we had that massive growth, but then we had a slow, steady decline. And did you ever come to a point, even before the growth began or during the slow steady decline, where you said, why don't we just throw it all away? We're done. We don't need to do this. I, I can retire. You are. You did spend 15 years being retired, but I can retire. And it's okay because uh, we were successes at what we did. Did you ever well, really get to well, that? Well, I felt like we had a responsibility to the industry to give it our best shot. I probably was slowed up. For sure was slow to fire which I think is okay. So maybe I should have been more aggressive in hiring people. But when you look back, you think we quadrupled in a few years. So I couldn't have been that slow. But when we had a slow decline, you you don't know. And that may be where we are now. If there's a slow decline, PSA, ComC, they aren't thinking, hey, we peaked last month. They're thinking, hey, this is still growing. They're adding people. They're bringing them on. And so it's just a situation where you're trying to make good decisions based on the information you have at the time. What I haven't seen, and this is something that gave me some consternation, I'm wondering about Nat and Tim and others who are in decision, Jeremy, I suppose, as well, is that one of the last resorts, again, I did think about the employees, but I also thought about the customers. Raising prices is not a panacea for problems. If you're not well run, raising the prices is not good. But if you are well run and things are running smoothly, but you're overwhelmed, then raising prices, it could be that your pricing 
is, is too low, that the demand is out there at a higher price. So PSA has now raised prices. BGS, I'm sure, is ra- they're, they're all probably raising prices. But ComC, you can imagine, not to pick on ComC, but in the shipping ba- bottleneck, they could have doubled their shipping prices. Okay, that would have reduced the bottleneck r- very quickly. Okay, but it wouldn't have been the right thing to do. People would have been really you were holding my cards hostage. I really thought price increases was a last resort. It was tough for me to go from two fifty to to two ninety five. I remember that it, you and, struggled with that decision. And Tim, when I first got there, it was twenty five, and it's less than five years ago. Yeah. It was twenty five cents to list a yeah. card. And Tim struggled. It was just too many of us in the ID department were working overtime. So he struggled to go to 30 cents a card. He said that should cut down some of the overtime. And it did. Now it's at 50 cents a card to send a card in to be ID'd. And we're still getting plenty of cards. So it's one of these things where maybe 25 cents on one level was too cheap because the, the profit was designed to be minimal because everything was based on efficiency. And then 50 cents, as it turned out, has not really been a hindrance for a lot of cards. Some cards, yes, they're not going to be sent in at 50 cents. Yeah. I see plenty of cards coming in. Yeah. I just want to be on the record of saying I'd like ComC's prices to be lower. <laughs> I understand that. Consumer- not to jeopardize your job, Rich, but I'm, I'm hoping that some of the labor savings, some of the AI, some of these things would would mean that ComC can pass on any efficiencies they gain to there. But it's rare that there's price reductions. Okay. I didn't do it. That's I don't see PSA doing it. I don't see BGS doing it. I'll tell you this, White. If ComC lowered their prices, I'd be back on overtime <laughs> and, and my paycheck would thank you for that. So I'm perfectly fine with that concept and we'll leave it at that. But I, I think you're right. That ship has basically sailed to some extent. And that's part of it. And we're saying these are decisions that are not no-brainers. But like I say, the proof is three months later, if PSA has no drop-off in submissions, if BGS has no drop-off in submissions, if ComC has no drop-off, then that's a ratification that that price increase sticks. Well, look and at, it could be at some point in the future, there would have to be a price reduction. Well, look there. at it this way. For PSA, there's three months of cards waiting to be sent to them. They might actually get more cards when the embargo lifts. Beckett may get more cards when the embargo lifts if they're not careful. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's actually a good thing. You're pointing out that, again, the worst challenge is low demand. More companies go out of business because of low sales than exploding sales. But in our industry over the last two years, the year-over-year growth has been amazing. That may be leveling off now, but wow, there are companies that go out of business because they can't handle the growth. They can't serve their customers. Yet, I think ComC, they have their niche. PSA has their niche. BGS has their niche. All these different companies have their niche. I and- think the hobby has weathered the storm of the past year. Nobody expected a pandemic. And frankly, nobody expected the reaction, which would be the hobby would be booming. I think some of us thought when it started, the hobby will go bye-bye and we'll be back to eating rice and beans. So it turned out that the hobby had the best year ever which is amazing if you think about it. 9-11, which happened after the baseball strike, though in my regime, those were two of the major hiccups that were pretty devastating to our industry, I think. The one changed the baseball magazine just dropped in half Yes, with the baseball. There's no baseball going on. So it wasn't like the pandemic. It was that people were mad at the baseball players. They weren't mad at the baseball players when it was the pandemic. And then 9-11 changed the way we did price guides. Travel was no longer a no-brainer. That took a lot of fun out of it for me. If and maybe you. I it did. And if you read the readers' rights during the baseball strikes, and in retrospect, we were dead on, we would tell people, this is really a good time to buy cards. Buy during yeah. the dip. And of course, they were all so frustrated. You said they were mad. They were angry. They were angry. But yet, Rob Veras said a lot of his business was built 
on what he bought during the baseball strike. My friend Teddy Strzok in New Jersey began his business during the baseball strike because he saw an opportunity to buy so cheaply. So there's things out there that are available. Talking about opportunities, my friend Gary Sipos in New Jersey finally got to run his Garfield, New Jersey show after 16 months. Oh, wow. 75 tables sold out at the show, and he announced a record crowd of more than 500 people attended the show. Wow. Is that a monthly show? It's a monthly show. It yeah. used to be the, yeah. an, we call it the odd Sunday show, first, third, and then if there's a fifth Sunday. But it's, I think it's monthly now. I think it's the third Sunday of the month, at least. That's terrific. And he drew such a wonderful crowd. It was good to see. And it was good to see my friends from New Jersey back at the Garfield Coffee Clatch. Well, so we're saying if you're the boss, the owner, the manager of that show, at some point you might outgrow that facility. But then that changes the character. And so do you raise your table prices? Do you raise your admission prices? A business is not simple. But what I like is that I think in every case that we're mentioning here, we have somebody making decisions. And I put myself in that category, too. There was a hobbyist that kind of understands how hobbyists think. So I, I think we're in good hands when we have people that are doing that because then these management dilemmas, these challenges are faced in a way that uh, takes into account all the different constituencies. So thanks, Rich. That's another uh, fun episode to do with you. And um, I'm wishing that our industry continues to have management challenges of uh, rapid growth. That would be amazing. That would be great. So thanks, everybody. Be back again tomorrow with another episode. The